0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Are the show that tackles some pretty difficult topics today uh sometimes, and today we're actually uh tackling a very useful uh, useful topic and by useful, I mean that I read a study or a right. i'm having problems with my computer this morning, so bear with us, okay, hopefully that'll be the last glitch that you hear um the the uh, report came out, or it was actually a news article here in Washington State, and our Washington uh, State Poison Center, or I guess it was the county health department, came out with a report that said that there's an increase in marijuana intoxication among King County children. And they are the, the way these kids are getting poisoned by the marijuana is they're eating it. They're finding it laying around, and they're eating it. And that had me thinking, you know, Washington State is one of the few states that actually has legalized marijuana. So maybe with that new relaxed approach toward, toward marijuana, in this state we're no longer looking at it as some sort of horrible, awful, heroin kind of thing. But maybe with that more relaxed interpretation of marijuana, we're getting a little sloppy and forgetting that it, in fact, is something that can be pretty darn dangerous, especially if you're a little person. So that got me to thinking about all sorts of ways that we don't think about things um, that, that, in fact, can be really, really harmful to kids. So in my calling around and in my research, I was able to meet a wonderful man named Alexander Gerard, Dr. Gerard. thank you for joining us. Welcome.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Dr. Garrard is a clinical toxicologist, and he is the clinical managing director of the Washington State Poison Control Center. So, in other words, he does the management and the direction and the leadership for the Washington State Poison Center, and he also teaches as an assistant professor at the University of Washington School of Pharmacy. So he has a lot of experience and a lot of medical experience and a lot of practical experience. Plus, if you saw his picture on my website, he's cute. So thank you for joining us, Dr. Garrard. <laughs> and um uh, I'm really curious, you know, as I said, I my interest in this topic was triggered by a news article about the increase in edible marijuana intoxication among King County children. Did a little research and it turns out that we're not the only area that's seeing an increase in that and that it's not just marijuana. So, what what are you seeing? Let's start with marijuana. What are you seeing? Mm-hmm. Um, as some fallout from our more relaxed attitudes and more uh, easily available marijuana?
0: Sure. No, that's a great question. So, you know, really what we're seeing is the number of calls coming into the poison center have actually been on the increase for about 10 years now. Uh, Medical marijuana was legalized in Washington State in 1998, And we saw a spike in calls around that time, and then it kind of dropped off a little bit. But like I said, over the past 10 years, those calls coming into the Poison Center have been on the increase. And so this could suggest a number of different things. Um, For one, especially with the legalization now of recreational marijuana, it could suggest perhaps that people are more comfortable calling the Poison Center because there's no fear of legal prosecution. Um, not that the poison center at any point in time was reporting people to the police for using illicit substances, but I think it's just kind of the culture. And Like, okay, it's it's legal now. I'm not going to get in trouble if something happens. Uh, It could also be, especially for adults, parents, caregivers, um, the fear of, you know, child protective services. So if I were to call about my child who got into marijuana, is child protective services going to get involved? So we've been doing a lot of education out there to say, you know, none of these things are going are gonna to happen. We're here to help you. and So that could be one of the reasons why those calls have been increasing. Um, I typically say nobody calls us if they're having a good time. So the numbers that we report, <laughs> you know, the numbers that we report at the Poison Center are really probably an underestimate of what the true occurrence is. So as an example, just last year, here, 2014, into the Washington Poison Center, we had 245 calls regarding marijuana exposures. Now, these are situations where an individual, whether it be an adult or a child, came in contact with marijuana, some form of it, through some route that really wasn't meant to be there or they had a bad experience with it. Um, so, And you that doesn't happen. It does happen, absolutely. You know, the marijuana of today is much more potent than it was 30, 40 years ago. So we have some of our older adults even, you know, 80, 90 years of age, who used marijuana back in their heyday and say, you know what, now that it's legal, I want to give it another shot. And then they smoke the same amount that they did back then, and then they have this adverse reaction. So they have this negative experience. They have the paranoia, maybe increased heart rate, some agitation, and they end up having to go to the hospital and saying, you know what, this is not the marijuana that I remember. It's a lot more potent today. <clears throat> and also, you know, the other thing, too, is just all of the stores that are now available. So there are about 170 retail stores in the state that are selling marijuana. So there is some truth to the fact that it is more readily available and people tend to sometimes forget the fact that it still is a drug. It may be a natural plant, um, you know, from nature. So that doesn't necessarily mean it's safe. Um, it just means I always say, you know,
1: so natural doesn't mean anything. I mean, digitalis exactly. is natural. Doesn't mean exactly. it'll kill you. You know. <laughs> I know.
0: Well, and, and several of our chemotherapy drugs used to treat cancer are actually derived from plants themselves. So sure. just to kind of you know put that into perspective. So I think there's that kind of a lot of education needs to be done on this is still a drug you know these a lot of these products do look like regular um products brownies candy bars that you can buy you know at a regular local supermarket so it's easy to confuse the two products at times mm-hmm.
1: especially for a child now, yeah. um, I was reading the the CDC uh, uh, information, and mm-hmm. they came, their, their report says that every day, 300 children in the United States, ages zero to 19. Um, I find it interesting that they include all the way up to 19 as children, because um, yeah. most of the teenagers I know are are who are accessing marijuana are not doing it accidentally. I mean, they're doing it on purpose. Um, but nevertheless, they they include all the way up to age 19. My thinking is, is that, you know, what we really need to be concerned about are the young children that don't know what they're going for, um, that are just going after that brownie that's left laying out because it looks like it's good. I mean, let's say the children will eat, you know, drain cleaner if it looks like it's interesting, you know. So let's focus our conversation on those little ones. And yeah, so, you mentioned the, the products that are available, you know, they look like regular food. Um, mm-hmm. So... Is, is that how kids are getting this? Little kids, uh, it just looks good and people forget and they leave it out?
0: Yeah. So, you know, when I've reviewed the cases that are coming into the Poison Center regarding marijuana exposures and edibles, uh, common scenarios are that you know these products are just kind of left laying out on the countertop uh, or perhaps they're in a purse or in a gym bag. And, you know, 56% of our calls are in children under six years of age. So that's the majority of the cases that we get. Um, And as such, you know, kids of that age are generally exploring their environment. They're developing hand-eye coordination. They're very curious. Um, You know, we talk about, like, the terrible twos and people two to three years of age. I mean, just a lot of issues, you know, a lot of learning. Um, And so these scenarios where the edible, let's say the brownie, is left on the countertop kind of unwrapped. It's left out of its packaging. Um, The child doesn't know the difference they're not going to recognize that as a marijuana brownie because it doesn't look any different than a regular kind of, say, Betty Crocker brownie or what have you, or a homemade product. Uh, mm-hmm. Complicate that even further. that um, So you have your recreational stuff that you buy at the store, but then you have also individuals that are making it at home. So And who knows what the concentration of marijuana is in those particular products. Um, so I think it's important for parents, adults, caregivers, even siblings to recognize, you know, Keep this stuff out of reach of kids. Don't use it around young children. Don't talk about it in such a way that encourages curiosity or like, oh, wow, that looks great. Um, you know, don't leave it in your purse. Keep it in the original packaging as well. Um, child-resistant packaging is a key aspect of poison prevention, especially when it comes to marijuana products. Um, well, if you're, note,
1: yeah, if, if you're a user ahead. of marijuana and you just made brownies because you're going to have a party or whatever, what, how can you child-proof that?
0: Yeah, you can't really. I mean, you know, the child-resistant packaging we're talking about is really more, you know, what you think about, like, with the prescription pill bottles, how the the caps are on there, or the, the type of locking mechanism on these packages to prevent kids from just getting into it. Um, and it's not, you know, you're not going to have that available if you're making, you know, homemade products. Um, interesting to know, you know, we do have a good portion of, of exposures that do happen to kids under six years of age, but the the largest number of cases that we're getting are in children thirteen to nineteen, um, so those teenage really? years. Yeah, um, that's the majority of, of of cases over the years, and in, including this year so far, we're actually higher this time, this year as of like year to date, than we were this time last year. And it's the same Why? age group.
1: Why? Why do you think that is? Availability you know, or
0: well part of it is the availability um part of it we've you know there have been some studies that have been done to look at what is it about you know what is peer pressure saying, why do people use it, and part of it to some degree is they want to fit in you know you're in the middle school high school years, your friends are doing it, you don't really have the sense that it perhaps is going to have a long lasting impact um, You're very kind of um apprehensive, not really apprehensive, but you're just you, messages like don't use drugs just don't work for that age group anymore. You know, you just can't tell somebody. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, that's certainly the argument that we can have, you know, about kind of drug prevention programs. Um, Just don't do it doesn't work. And so we have to figure out a messaging that's targeted towards that age group, um, high schoolers, middle schoolers, that really gets to the point of the the issue, which is there are long-term effects of this, and that's what's important to them. That's what resonates with them. That and the fear of obviously, obviously, you know, disappointing parents. Um so it's important for parents to have that conversation with their kids. But I find it very interesting just because, you know, recreational marijuana is illegal if you're under 21 years of age. Okay. So, you know, there are certain products that when we get called on them, you know, if somebody calls and says, you know, my child got into marijuana gummy bears, I know that that's probably a medical marijuana product or was homemade because marijuana gummy bears are not an approved edible for a recreational store. So the types of products that we get informs us a lot about where people are are obtaining these products um, and also possibly even for the use. I mean, there are many people out there that use medical marijuana that maybe have, I don't want to say questionable indications, but a very more loose definition of, of why they need to be on it. And I'm not here to judge or anything, but just from the oh, scenarios let me judge.
1: That, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. I mean, you know, I have a heel spur, therefore I have a prescri- prescription for medical marijuana. I mean, really. Okay. All right. Fine. Right. <laughs> so, so kids,
0: you know, kids get a hold of these products, grandparents, older siblings, uh, and then many of them actually will use the, you know, use them in school or they have more secretive ways of using it. Uh, you know, one of the big things now is vaping cannabis. So we talk about. You mentioned
1: first, that during our, our 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 talks that we had the other day.
0: Yeah, and I have yeah. never
1: heard of that. And of course, I know what vaping is, but vaping can. I I, I guess I don't know how vaping works. I mean.
0: Yeah. I mean, so that, what? what yeah.
1: Explain what that is.
0: Yeah. So you know the whole kind of vaping phenomena right now with e-cigarettes, electronic hookahs, e-pens, whatever. You know, many different names, same church, different pew. That's how I describe it. Um. These are products that are essentially it's a an electronic gadget that has a coil in there that heats up and vaporizes either a liquid or an oil um and now actually in some place, in some cases dried herbs and plant material and produces a vapor with it that you can inhale receive the benefit of it so we commonly think about like liquid nicotine that's where kind of e-cigarettes got their start um it's an it's a new delivery method for nicotine product well they now have electronic cigarettes that allow you to vape or vaporize cannabis oil. So that's the butane hash oil that we hear about. DABS is another name for it, Wax, uh, another name. Um, so what that, the, the challenge with that, of course, is that you don't have um, as much of that pungent smell that you do when you're smoking a joint. So in many ways, you can kind of get away with it in public and people won't know that you're vaporizing marijuana. The other thing, too, cannabis oil or butane hash oil is a lot more concentrated when it comes to THC. Now, THC, we've heard that phrase, that that name before. That's the tetrahydrocannabinol. That's that active chemical in marijuana that produces the psychoactive um, effects. Now, regular marijuana plant maybe has up to like 4 to 6%. We now have plants that can produce much, much higher, but cannabis oil, um, can actually have concentrations as high I've seen as high as like seventy percent THC, um, wow. which is which is huge. You know, we really don't know what happens when you use that con- that much concentrated marijuana. Um, there just haven't really been studies done, which certainly begs the question: like, okay, well, why haven't they be done, been done? And they need to studies need to be done. That's true. There's always more research to be done to better understand it, but. If you're vaping 70% THC, you know, who knows what happens? So that's where we get the kids that are presenting with the paranoia, that increased heart rate, confusion, altered mental status. I mean, all of these phrases kind of describe a similar um, effect. You know, they're presenting to the hospital. Some kids, um, especially in the teenage years, are having, like, acute psychotic episodes. Um, That's been reported as well in the medical literature.
1: Yeah, I think um, that, you know, like you were saying before about how, you know, I mean, I think the image for marijuana is that it's just some fine little, you know, Saturday night high, it's not going to hurt anybody, da-da-da. And I really feel that people have forgotten that this is a drug. I mean, this is a a, a drug that has some really dramatic, or can have some really dramatic effects. And just because it's available doesn't mean that it's totally safe or benign. I, I mean, do you agree with that?
0: No, abso- I think you're absolutely right. Um, I guess I would kind of liken it a little bit to, you know, alcohol, we don't really think of alcohol as a drug anymore because it's so. there's so much social acceptance of it. Um, we mm-hmm. saw what happened with prohibition. Obviously, you know, society did not want that. Um, but alcohol, at the end of the day, is also a drug. Um, and so, yeah. some of the arguments that I hear from people, who use marijuana, and when I talk about it, is that it's not possible to overdose on marijuana. Or when we talk about poisoning, marijuana poisonings, it's not possible to be poisoned by marijuana. And perhaps it's a little bit of like, you know, semantics, the type of language that we use, the words that we use to describe it. But in the world of toxicology and poison centers, you know, a poisoning is any situation in which you, if you take a substance, whether it was intended or unintended, um, and it ultimately produced a negative effect. So, I use marijuana. I don't get the high. I become paranoid. I get agitated. Some people would say, you know what, that's just somebody who's naive that doesn't know what they're doing. They use too much marijuana. And that may be the case. But in the medical field, that would be considered a poisoning. You know, So poisons yeah. are no longer like the arsenic that we think about or asbestos or some of these kind of you know, strychnine. I mean, those are poisons too. But um, the saying is the dose is what makes the poison. So a drug that's works normally at therapeutic doses ultimately can become a poison if you take too much of it because it interferes with those natural body processes.
1: Well, and you mentioned alcohol, and I think that probably yeah. alcohol is one of the most dangerous things we have out there because it can be so easily uh, misused, um, mm-hmm. even unintentionally. I mean, I know yes. I've been served drink where, wow, that alcohol was high, but it was so disguised and, and it tasted good mm-hmm. that I could have picked, Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of alcohol, so, you know, I usually do a couple sips of a drink and that's it. But I mm-hmm. can see where, oh, wow, that tastes like soda pop. I could just chug along the whole thing. Oh, my gosh. Um and, you know, I I think that there are also, and you might be more familiar with this than I am, but aren't there a lot of deaths from alcohol poisoning?
0: So, you know, it's interesting. When we talk about alcohol, yes, there are many, there are a lot of negative consequences from alcohol use, so not only including deaths. So we have to think about, like, there's the acute death from, like, you know, alcohol poisoning, um, but then there's also motor vehicle accidents that, are, that may be related to alcohol intoxication, There's some of the more long-term chronic effects, so like cirrhosis, um, health issues associated with alcohol use. Uh, And then there's also, you know, like the social effects of it, so, you know, divorce, domestic violence, um, uh, loss of job or income. I mean, a lot of these – alcohol is such a big issue and it impacts so many aspects of our lives. So it's interesting because, you know, at the Poison Center, we also get called about alcohol, um, but not just your drinking alcohol. We get called about the toxic forms of alcohol, so like antifreeze, windshield wiper fluid, um, Mm brake fluid. Those are all types of alcohol that people do drink either to actually get drunk because they have, you know, they're a severe alcoholic or because they're trying to commit suicide. Um what I find very interesting when I've looked at the numbers surrounding the alcohol alcohol just regular drinking alcohol that we get um a few years ago when here in Washington state when legislation was passed I forgot I think it was like 1183 or something like that where you could start selling liquor in the grocery stores do you remember that
1: Yes um, I
0: do yeah Yep so in the month immediately after uh that legislation was passed we saw a spike in the number of calls into the poison center regarding alcohol intoxication, um, especially amongst youth, so whether you know so was they, that because it
1: was more accessible
0: that's I mean that's certainly one way to think about it, yes, you know it, it's sometimes it's hard to come up with like what is the exact reason why this happened, but I think that certainly contributed to it. It was more readily available um, a lot of the stores that previously were not selling hard liquor were trying to figure out okay what can, what do we need to do? you know, keep it behind the shelf or keep it out, out in the floors. You know, so there probably was some, you know, um, stealing of alcohol that occurred. Um, oh, sure, yeah. You know, so yeah. and that's probably what increased access. And so those numbers ultimately went down, but it was just kind of interesting to note that that's what occurred. So we saw something, I guess, similar when the retail stores opened last summer, 2014. Shortly thereafter, no, we didn't see an immediate spike in the number of marijuana calls because partly... There wasn't a whole lot of product out there. Um, As you may remember, several of the stores had to close for days on end because there wasn't enough supply. The demand was greater than the supply. And then sometime around the fall, I think, is when the supply really started picking up because in October we had a massive spike. I mean, I call it massive. It was 33 cases that one month that we got called about, um, which was more than we had at any time in the year. And I think it may have been related to supply. Now, most of the stores have actually opened – in 2015 which is why could also be why we're seeing that the number of calls year to date is greater now 2015 than this time than the same time last year um so it's just interesting and it could be too you know we're really pushing the poison center as a as a community resource for help um we don't report you know to child protective services the only time we may do that is if there's a suspicion of child abuse or neglect which any healthcare provider is mandated by law to do so so we're no different because we are healthcare providers here we're not volunteers or operators we're physicians pharmacists nurses and toxicologists yeah so when you you, you know person,
1: if i can interject here
0: yeah, you yeah. you
1: mentioned about uh, poison control not reporting i i have to tell you that my children are all grown up now but i had one child that would eat anything i mean if it wasn't <laughs> nailed down it landed in her mouth Mm-hmm. and I call I she ate uh, she grabbed a handful of buttercups and ate them i mean yeah. and, and buttercups can be poison you know so i'm calling poison control and you know and i i mean i must have called poison control four times in a year yeah. and then yeah. my neighbor said um Stop calling poison control. They're going to send CPS out to you because no. your kid keeps eating these things. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, no, we don't. And, I, we, and we, I've got to tell you, it, it did bother me, and so I started calling my pediatrician's office instead oh. of poison control when she got into something, you know. Um, but you're saying that's not necessarily the case, but it is no, something is, to yeah, think that, about.
0: Yeah, you know, well, it's definitely not the case. Like I said, only in cases where there's suspicion of child abuse or neglect or elder abuse or neglect do we get cps or or law enforcement involved or malicious intent you know because believe it or not we do get calls from people that are trying to that feel they're being poisoned by somebody or you know there's just malicious intent involved like that's the reality that we work in um it's funny you mentioned that because when i was a kid my mom called poison control on me as well so i'm a survivor yeah. of
1: <laughs> yeah you of critters you you system. know you're, you're you can you can be tough on
0: us <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, we don't do that. So that's why we encourage people to call. We've been making um, the numbers certainly more available. And I think that could also be why num- uh, call- phone calls are going up, just because there has been an increased uh, public awareness campaign, if you will, regarding the Poison Center and what we can do for the public.
1: Sure. Well, and you make a good point that just because we see some of these statistics and some of these reports, it's it's difficult to really uh, pinpoint causality. I mean, just because yeah. you're seeing more calls, does that mean, you know, I mean, it, it, you have to really be careful not to make assumptions because then you could be working mm-hmm. on a problem that's really not the problem. Um, so just because there are more more. Um, cases it seems, uh, or more calls coming in. It does seem logical that it has something to do with availability, but it could mm-hmm. also have something to do with lack of education. I mean, I I see in our state we're we're in Washington, but there are other states here and other states that have legalized marijuana, and there are other states that are c- contemplating it. Um, we have really developed a casual attitude that oh, it's just mm-hmm. marijuana, ha ha ha, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and. I, you know, in, in my supposition is that, or my, my hypothesis is that it's that casual attitude toward this potentially dangerous substance that can contribute to some of these accidental ingestions. Um, I mean, that just seems logical to me. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, while I don't, you know, begrudge anybody their good time, I think that you need to be be realistic about what you're doing to have that good time. And right. as with everything, whether it's, you know, lattes or, you know, chocolate bonbons, there are a percentage of us that will overindulge. Um, and and that becomes problematic. And when you're overindulging, when you have a very casual attitude toward the substance, I can see that it, it's, it's just, uh, you know, a, a, a perfect storm for having children get, uh, you know, bec- become unintentionally poisoned by these substances that they get their hands on yeah So um, yeah go
0: ahead.
1: You're absolutely
0: right, yeah I was gonna say you know the um one of the things I hear from the community um not only regarding marijuana but also e cigarettes is that um the responsibility doesn't just fall on the manufacturers um of course not. truly it takes a village. Um, the responsibility falls on everybody. So we certainly rely on the manufacturers of these products, whether it be like an e-cigarette product or marijuana, to make sure there's appropriate warning labels, safety labels, ingredients. You know, on a lot of the e-cigarette liquid nicotine products, there's not really a great uh, ingredient list. You know, they say it's only for, you know, how do we really know that? The, it doesn't go through any sort of a quality assurance testing per se. Um, the marijuana, yeah. especially the recreational marijuana, is definitely a lot better because it is regulated by the state. It does get tested. So certainly they're doing their part in trying to, as much as they can, to make sure to prevent kids from getting into these products. So then mm-hmm. this is where kind of education comes in on the on the caregiver adult parent side to say, okay, you know, the industry is doing everything it can according to state regulations to prevent kids and youth from getting into these products. So now what can we do to help you prevent this exposure from happening in your home. So, yeah. you know, I mentioned before, locking it up, keeping it out of out of out of the reach of kids. Um, many people they have like a special container, maybe like a shoebox or just a box that they keep under the bed or in a dresser somewhere that has their marijuana product in it. So, if you have something like that, make sure it's locked and don't have you know don't have the key laying around. Um, don't refer to it as candy. Don't use it around kids. Um, these are very. I mean, a lot of it's common sense. Uh, but also, on the other hand, you also quickly, especially in the poison center world, you realize that common sense is not so common.
1: Yes, uh, exactly, exactly.
0: You know, don't, um, leave, the br- Gerard, don't leave the... Dr. Gerard, I yeah, want to ahead. interrupt you
1: briefly. I've, been, I've mm-hmm. been so enwrapped by our conversation that I've forgotten to give our call-out number. Uh, please oh, yes. give us a call. If you have a scenario you'd like to share with us or a question, um, give us a call, 646-378-0430. That's 646 646- 3780430 um i do have our chat room open but i got to tell you i'm having some technical difficulties there so i am not going to give out the chat information but give us a call 6463780430 um i want to also talk with you a little bit dr Gerard, about other things that mm-hmm. uh, that that hurt kids. I mean, you're talking about the vape. Thing. I mean, that was completely new to me. I, I just, you know, okay, here, you know, 20th century woman here, you know. I mean, <laughs> right. I didn't even know they were doing that. So, what are some of the other things um, where, you know, kids are, are are being exposed to dangerous products and the yeah, potential so, for poisoning from them?
0: Right. So, um, I mean, I guess just to kind of put it in context, you know, so the the Poison Center 2014 received almost 64,000 calls from from Washingtonians, whether they lived in Washington State or they had a Washington cell phone number and were calling from out of state. Of those 64,000 calls, only 245 were in marijuana. So very, very small numbers. So what are, what's accounting for the large, <laughs> the majority of the calls? Well, in kids under six years of age, it's pretty, you know, it's like really household stuff. It's pretty innocuous. I mean, most of it's like diaper rash. Um, we do have acetaminophen. Um or other you no know, otherwise known as like tylenol, um, which is really, really common in coffin cold products. There are so many different formulations of it, concentrations of it that it's very easy uh, for parents to get confused um, and there's also a number of different flavorings you know that make it taste really, really good for kids. other stuff is like yeah. toothpaste, uh foreign bodies, so things like pennies um magnets um, the other thing is that laundry pods are very very dangerous uh, there's been a Big a lot of issues around that in the uh, in the country around those Tide laundry pods that you just easily throw in there can cause severe severe damage in, ch- in children. Uh, they can end up in an ICU on a ventilator, uh, and it's really just soap. But because of the way it's packaged, you know, it's under pressure. Kids bite into it because it's so brightly colored. It explodes in their mouth. They aspirate it, meaning they get it into their lungs which causes a lot of breathing difficulties. And it's like I said, it's. I mean, kids will end up in a coma and on a ventilator. Um, we've had a death here in the state. It was in an older adult with dementia, but it was a similar process. Um, but there have been deaths across the country associated with those particular products. So certainly poison prevention right there. Keep them out of reach of kids. Um, magnets is another thing that a lot of people don't think about with youth, you know, young kids getting into, but magnets can be very, very dangerous, and there have been deaths associated with magnets um, because it gets lodged in the intestines, especially when you have two magnets, and they're on either side of a, you know, the colon or the small intestines, and they stick together. Now you have that tissue in between the magnets, and it ultimately causes perforates or, you know, tears through the tissue. You have a hole. You have internal bleeding, uh, and then ultimately a very poor, Outcome, so it's a little bit of a horror story, but this is the reality you know there are certainly products out there that we may not think about being a problem, but in in reality are are a big issue. You know we also have the grandparents medication uh so a lot of the prescription uh drugs that are out there um grandparents can be on average on about twenty medications, many of which are like cardiac so used for things like high blood pressure, heart failure. Arrhythmias, um, stroke prevention. So you have blood thinners, mm-hmm. and those can also cause significant problems in kids. When we think when we think about um, the whole concept of one pill can kill, um, especially in a in a child, you know, maybe a 10 kilo, 20 pound kid, there are quite a few substances that are substances that fall under that. So a lot of, like I said, yeah. a lot of the cardiac, a lot of the cardiac medications, antidepressants that are really potent. Um, and now, kids these days themselves are also on medication. So, you know, AD, medication for ADHD. They're on things like Adderall or Concerta. Uh, and then they get to come in contact with like an herbal over the counter product that also has stimulant properties, which only compounds the effect of the original prescription drug. So, you know,
1: I, I must say that one of my absolute, one of the things that just absolutely. Um, upsets me is when people seem to think that if it came from a health food store that, mm-hmm. you know, it's fine. You know, I, I I think if one more person says to me, oh, you should go get this, it's chemical-free. Really? Nothing is chemical-free. The world is made up of chemicals. You know, what you're... Right. <laughs> why are you thinking that something is chemical-free? You know, I mean, it that that's an impossibility i i yeah. think what we do is we convince ourselves of certain things and and that kind of harkens back to our, the whole premise behind this show is that we've convinced ourselves that marijuana is innocuous when in fact it's not neither is tylenol neither you know if it's if it's inappropriately used or, or given to, to, you know, accessible to to people it shouldn't be given to. So I think right. that we do have this notion that if it's, you know, from a health food store, it's going to be fine. Um, and we're, we tend to not monitor that substance. Uh, a lot of our medicines that we have today came from nature. You know, we just mm-hmm. learned how to synthesize it. Uh, we exactly. You know, instead of waiting for the tree to grow and it seems to me so many people forget that they seem to think that you know if they chew a leaf that that's going to be better for them uh than taking a pill but in fact yep. all of these substances can be dangerous and and we really need to be vigilant when we're talking about children mm-hmm. um so that's my soapbox you can you can have the soapbox back now okay <laughs> <laughs> no you raised,
0: you know you raised a really good point about you know isolating natural compounds you know making a synthetic version of them so um many you know you may remember many of your listeners may remember and have been familiar with the term bath salts as a drug of abuse from yes. a few years ago and it's still a big problem so bath salts are a synthetic version of a plant that grows in the middle east and eastern africa you know so the plant itself is called kat, like khat like k h a t it's illegal here in the US you can't buy it you can't grow it um but what they did it's basically chewed like coca leaves in south america Provides a mild stimulant effect. Uh, be the be the equivalent of like an espresso here, you know, Starbucks here in Seattle. Um, it's just yeah. so culturally accepted, and so now we've isolated that active compound, and that's how we got bath salts. And they're only called bath salts because that's the term they use to help them fly under the radar. You know, when you're talking ah, about a bath salts. Ah, I see.
1: Cause
0: yeah, cause there you're, really you're, are you're,
1: such things as bath salts. I mean, I remember as a kid, right. the old ladies would get. Oh, bath yeah. salts and actually put them in the, you know, I'm saying that yep. is a, a product that was available, but exactly. now you're
0: you know, saying like, that that Yeah, like Calgon, or you know, Bed Bath & Beyond bath salts. This is not what we're talking about. What we're talking about yeah, here yeah, okay. are actual synthetic drugs, amphetamines, stimulants that produce, you know, extremely violent behavior. We've seen the news show, the news um stuff on on TV, you know, people tearing their clothes off, you know, remember the case in Miami a f- handful of years ago, oh, the guy yeah. that was eating the guy's face off. Um they said, "Well, he was negative for everything on the drug screen." Well, they were so new on the market that we didn't have the capability to detect them yet. I guarantee uh, if we were to, if we were to do the do the test today, it would have get, it would have shown a bath salt or a synthetic marijuana product. Um so that just kind of goes to show you like you're saying is that You know, a lot of stuff that's out there is natural, but when we isolate it and start making synthetic versions of it, it, it's a lot more dangerous. It's like 10, 100 times more potent. Um, A lot of the synthetic marijuana products are about 800 times more potent than regular marijuana. Um, And that produces a lot of problems, too.
1: So what are some of the other substances that are out there that people are using and having around their houses that they need to be worried that their kids might get into? And, again, I'm talking little kids because we'll talk about the teenagers in a minute.
0: Yeah, yeah. So little, little kids, you know, typically what they're getting into, it's just regular common household products, so cleaning supplies. Um, so I would say, I would suggest for any parent any sort of strong laundry detergent, um, including those Tide laundry pots that I mentioned earlier, Drano products, so anything that's used to unclog pipes, you know, that would have a very strong, a very highly basic or acidic compound in it absolutely needs to be locked up in a way kept out of reach of kids. Um, We've had cases where kids have gotten a hold of a Drano bottle and drank drank the Drano and have had to have emergent surgery because it basically completely destroyed their esophagus. Um, So those products certainly need to be kept out. I mentioned magnets and pennies, obviously, things like that. And just, you know, over-the-counter products. Kids do not need to be administering it to themselves. Parents need to... Give it to the children. They need to use the the measuring spoon that came with it, not use a regular household teaspoon or tablespoon because those are not calibrated, so the measurement is not exact. And if you don't have one, the pharmacy will always have one that they can give you because um, that's, that's a common area where we get calls about, you know, I accidentally gave my child too much of this over-the-counter product. Um, because I used the wrong measuring spoon. And it doesn't mean you're a bad parent. I I want to put that out there. None of this means or implies that you're a bad parent. What it says, though, is that, you know, we need to have more education, more products available to help parents in that. Um, Other things, obviously, you know, like I mentioned, grandparents' medication, um, plants. Most of the time, household plants are not going to be toxic. Um, We talk about around, like, the holiday time, things like... uh, uh, of course the name is escaping me right now, poinsettias. Poinsettias, I mean, yeah. This, yeah, you know, there's this whole, oh my gosh, poinsettias are poisonous. Um, poinsettias are not poisonous. The only reason we got the thought that they were is years ago there was a case report from Hawaii where a child was found um, dead next to a poinsettia plant. That's the that's where that comes from. But Again, we go back were, to
1: causality, yeah.
0: I know, that's not, you know, yeah. they are maybe a choking hazard, um, but they are not poisonous. Um, okay. You know, but there are certainly, you know, Just in the backyard, especially here in the Pacific Northwest, mushrooms grow abundantly. Always be careful with that. You know, we have a lot of kids that will be playing in the backyard and will get a hold of mushrooms that are growing back there. And we do have poisonous mushrooms in the state. They grow naturally. Um, We have a lot of immigrant families here who foraged for mushrooms back in their home country and they go foraging for mushrooms here, and they pick a mushroom that looks very similar to what they had back then or back there, and uh, you can it's not the same thing. You know, 99, 99 times out of 100, it's not the same thing. And we have mushrooms that can cause liver failure, uh, and that's very, very bad.
1: Yeah, yeah. So for little kids, we I mean the the bottom line is you, you just have to be vigilant if you have a little kid. Yeah. You have to be vigilant and it's exhausting. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, anybody who's raised a family will tell you that. It is exhausting and you you get tired of it and you just, you mm-hmm. know, but nevertheless, you have to. Um well, we'll let talk about, go ahead.
0: I was just going to say real quick, you know, just to help parents especially of little kids, one of the things the poison center has and we can do is send out like Mr. Yuck packets, so things like with magnets and stickers, with Mr. Yuck stickers, so that parents can put these on products to identify them as being, this is a poison, don't drink, or don't touch, or ask a parent if you ever want to touch anything you know, or put it in your mouth, you must ask a parent. So those are things that we can send out to the public um, anytime they give us a call and say, you know, I'd like a, a packet of stickers to use around my household. We have brochures regarding poison prevention. So there's a lot that we can do for parents. Well, and I suggest
1: that people locate their local poison control center um, and contact for that because I suspect that they're all about the same. Otherwise, Mm doctor, you're going to have people from Tanzania calling you and asking for a Mr. (laughs) Yuck sticker. So um, contact contact your local um, poison control center. Uh, Or health department, I'm sure that, uh, you know, this is not a brand new or unique idea to make those stickers available. So contact your local um, poison control or your local health department, and I suspect that you'll be able to find those Mr. Yuck stickers Mm -hmm. that you can use in your home. Let's move to um, older kids. Yes. Kids that are 12, 13, 14, who are, are old enough to know that they don't drink the Drano. But right. they're also um, old enough to know that, wow, it's really cool to have alcohol or marijuana or some of these other substances that, you know, I mean, the mushrooms. Mm-hmm. I mean, a um, uh, 100 years ago I, I used to do some pre-sentence reports, and every fall we would have just a a, a nice increase there in, um, trans, uh, um, what do you call that, uh, when you go on property you're not supposed to um with people look with young people looking for the the magic yes. mushrooms, you know. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. uh So uh, you know, the, those are the older kids. So what are they getting into that we should be aware of?
0: Yeah. Um, and so, I
1: suspect that since marijuana is available, it's just like the alcohol. Yeah, we've put it. We've established a an up an age limit for it, but you know how effective is it? You know to the how, you know I mean the, the kids are going to get this stuff.
0: So yeah. So, when we, what
1: kinds of stuff are they into?
0: Mhm. So when we look at like the top ten substances, so to say, for that age group, you know, the thirteen to eighteen years of age, twenty fourteen, the number one substance that we actually got called on was ibuprofen. So really. Very, very inter- yeah. Very interesting. Um,
1: Boy, can number- you get high from ibuprofen? I mean, I don't.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I'm going to go look get- for
1: my bottle of Tylenol here.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you can't get high from ibuprofen, but. Um, you know it's a painkiller so you start thinking about especially in those you know down 13 14 puberty a lot of young girls are starting to have their first period for instance um learning to kind of self medicate and treat themselves um so what we're finding in this particular age group and and I'll go over some of the other substances but this is going from more of a unintentional ingestion meaning oh I didn't mean to do this to okay like I'm I I meant to use this drug I either used it incorrectly or what we're starting to see now, actually, and this may surprise many many listeners, is that we actually have suicide attempts as young as 12, 13 years of age. And yeah. so some of the substances that we get called about are reflective of that. So you know ibuprofen was at the top. That's you know acetaminophen it comes in at number two. Um, we have antipsychotics that fall into this uh, are in the top ten as well, followed by antidepressants and then sedatives. And then alcohol is actually in there also. Marijuana didn't make the top ten list, but alcohol did. So uh, these substances tell me um, it's either abuse, so like alcohol, um, the sedatives like the regular, like a Xanax or a Valium, that oftentimes is, a, a, is certainly a common drug of abuse. Um, so a lot of youth are abusing that or misusing that. And then some of the other stuff with the antidepressants, oftentimes those are suicide attempts. So these are real real prescription medications. There are also over-the-counter stuff. Like I mentioned, ibuprofen, Benadryl was in the mix, um, acetaminophen, because it is readily available. And so they're using these substances either to treat pain or to, you know, in self-harm. Um, Benadryl, you can actually, I mean, kids use Benadryl to get high off of. <clears throat> oh, that really? You can, you can have hallucinations at very, very high doses with Benadryl. Um but you can also have seizures, you can have cardiac arrhythmias, and you can um you can certainly can have a very negative outcome um so that is not a good drug either in excess it can be amazing what, for allergies what is it? <laughs> yeah well this is a little ahead. off
1: topic, but I think it's it, it's in, it should, it belongs in this discussion somewhere. What is mm-hmm. it about us, especially when we're young, that we want to seek unbalance um we, we I'm not sure I'm phrasing this correctly, but we we want to seek, and it seems to be worldwide. We want we want the buzz, we want the high. Yeah.
0: Want, you know why? You know, yeah, you know it's interesting. I mean, <laughs> why?
1: It's, and I've got five minutes, okay? <laughs> okay. <so> I, <laughs>
0: exactly. Um, you know, uh-huh. I think it's an issue of, especially when we look at today's world and everything that's going on, a lot of youth are seeking an escape. Um, there's a lot more pressure and stress on youth today than I think perhaps there have been in years past. There's expectations, social expectations, you know, the expectation to do well in school and succeed in society. Um, and it is a lot of pressure for a, a group that maybe don't have great coping skills yet, um, that don't know how to deal with the pressure and the stress of life. And so many people seek, use these substances like sedatives and, and opiates, prescription painkillers, so to say, to feel to numb themselves, to feel good for a fleeting moment. Um, and my argument, you know, is like it's just that. It's a fleeting moment. The reality, while it may be hard right now, ultimately in the long run is better for you. And there's life can be so full and rich if you just kind of trudge through it a little bit and, and open up, you know. It, like I said, it takes a village. A lot of people don't talk with each other anymore. We have new social forms of social media, texting. And so it really removes us from each other and we're now really living in silos. We're not living as a community. Um which is unfortunately I mean, it's really unfortunate mm-hmm. for where we are and for youth I think that are coming up uh through the ages.
1: Yeah. I think you know although this is really another discussion I think it, it uh, fits with what you're saying. I was speaking with somebody the other day about the the frustration that I feel when I have a problem say with a company and mm-hmm. you go online, you try to track down the company. They they don't you don't even have phone numbers listed anymore. You' supposed to email, so you email yep. and then somebody comes back and says, "Well, you have to do the da 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 and the da 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 and the da 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 and then you respond, mm-hmm. "I already did the da 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 and the da 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 and it's not working. that's why I'm contacting you
0: you know yeah, exactly. i mean it,
1: it's the the level of frustration of not being able to just pick up the phone, call somebody, and get somebody who cares about a resolution to this is mm-hmm. extraordinary for my age group. And I was talking to a friend, saying I feel so sorry for young people today because this—it wasn't this way ten years ago. And if it gets, you know, worse ten years from now than it is today, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's young people that I, I have such empathy for that they're going to have to deal with this. And her point is, but they don't feel your frustration because they don't have the expectation that they will right. get the problem resolved. Right. Well,
0: that's where we have drugs like ecstasy that open people up to schmoozing with other folks, you know. <laughs> I mean, there's where Oh, there's, really? You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. Ec- ecstasy opens yeah, yeah. you up and makes you more em- empathic and uh, connects you with other people, um, like a social lubricant. Um, and there's a pretty big, you know, use of ecstasy in this country among youth and young adults, um, and that may be part of it. So it's an interesting wow. point to explore.
1: It it is it is as I said a little off topic but I think sometimes you
0: know it's
1: hard to separate all of these things That's really okay. when you get right down to it yeah. um but yeah and and but I think her point was that you know they they are not expecting that I I feel yeah. the frustration because I expect that there will be customer service or problem re- resolution if mm-hmm. I don't if you remove that expectation I'm not left with frustration and anger I'm left with empty
0: yeah yeah,
1: and that must be very, very hard for for young people. Um, okay, you know that that's my my Norman uh, <laughs> Mailer moment, I guess. Um, <laughs> but um, the the other thing, the other point that I want to make is that um, for generations, for thousands of years, people have been saying it's harder for the coming generation, right? Um, or the generation that you know is living with worse, or it's more difficult. Da da da. So I, I, although I appreciate what you're saying, I, I kind of wonder, okay, but re- is it really that much harder? I don't know. It's different. Yeah. That's for sure. It's all
0: a matter of perspective uh, and experience, I suppose.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, But we're left with the same problems because it seems like from, you know, generations, you know, young people have been seeking that disconnect, that the high, you know, if you will. Um, and so what I'm hearing you say is that, or at least what I hope we've we've done in this show, is we've talked about this unintentional poisoning that occurs um, because we either can't monitor children or we don't know how to do it correctly as far as storing these things and getting rid of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we have too casual an attitude about things like marijuana and alcohol. Maybe we have too casual an attitude about the meds that are in grandma's you know purse or that's in the Tylenol in our medicine cabinets um maybe we need to take these things more seriously and realize that, um, well, they may seem innocuous, that they in fact have potential to do some, some, some tremendous damage. Um, am I summing that up correctly, do you think?
0: No, absolutely. And I was just going to make just two kind of key points. Um, you know, we talk about all the medication that's available in the household, and people oftentimes wonder what do I do with it uh, when I no longer need it. Um, I do want to say that there is, you know, there are national take-back-your-med drug take-back days, essentially. There's one actually coming up on September 26th uh, through the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency, and it's being coordinated with local police stations, uh, so people can find that information on, like, a national drug take-back-day website. Um, we're going to be posting that information on the Washington Poison Center website as well, <clears throat> which is w- uh, www.wapc.org. And if individuals don't have the Poison Center number programmed into their cell phone, you never know when you're going to need it. Um, and even if you don't have kids, if you just have a question on, you know, is there a drug interaction between this this, or if you're a nursing mother, can I use this drug while I'm nursing? Or if you're pregnant, what have you. Um, older adults, too. I took a double dose of my medication. Is, this, is Am I going to be okay? It's a toll-free number. It's 24-7. It's one 800 222 one two, two
1: two mhm, okay, so, and that the that national number uh one eight hundred two 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 one two two two, um can put you in touch with your local organization at least in the United
0: States'll um, it route you to your state one
1: mm-hmm. yeah, and and again, I suspect that whatever country you're listening from i am sure they have something similar um this yes. this problem, these problems yep, are universal, yep, not just yep, american yep, Europe has um, a in in doing system, my research. Though. I also found uh, another thing that we didn't talk about, and that is the um, art supplies that we use with our kids. Some of that Mm. stuff is toxic. You have to make sure that you get the non-toxic art stuff. Mm -hmm. And so when you're buying all this stuff for going back to school and whatever, make sure, even if it costs more, get the non-toxic. Because you know what? I was a kid once, I know how many kids eat glue and paste and Take a bite out of crayons, and you know I mean it happens, okay yeah. <laughs> make sure you get the non toxic stuff um one other point that I saw is uh that we should probably address is that um you have visitors coming to your home, well, you can't exactly yes. say, you know, give me your your purse, I want to go through it, you know <laughs> for toxic mm-hmm. substances. What do you do when somebody comes to your house, you know, they, they've got their purse, they've got their jacket, they've got, you know, and they throw it over a chair and you have a kid. I mean, what, how can you guard mm-hmm. against unintentional poisoning with something like that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's honestly, you have to have that honest conversation with the parents um, or whoever's coming to visit, especially if it's a grandparent. And, you know, in talking about this, I, I hate, I don't want to say I hate to say this, but it, it just is very, it this would be a conversation I would have if, if and when I have kids is, you know, if my child is going over to somebody's house and I know they have a gun in the house, I'm going to have a conversation with them because that's a big issue, you know, that's a real concern. If I know that they're just kind of leaving medications laying out, like, that's a that's a risk. That's a potential exposure there for a child and could be very dangerous and have life-threatening consequences. So. I think if you're having visitors making sure that they certainly keep them locked up, say this is the policy within our house, you know, a household policy of how we handle medications, you know. Um mm-hmm. and just be frank about it. Um uh, it's your home. You set the rules, you know. Um I think that's it's a, it's a great point. Um uh, there's I don't know, I just don't know if there's necessarily a great way to go about it other than having that honest conversation and saying this is what we do here in this household. Yeah.
1: Well, and then we have the issue of going to other places. I I have um, a service dog, and I mm-hmm. can't tell you how many times I go into a store and I look down and all of a sudden my service dog is like licking at something and there's a pill on the floor, you know, in, yeah. in the grocery store. I have no clue what this pill is, right? Um, right? If my dog can get to it, i got news, the kids can get to it too. So right. how, do you, you know, what do you do when your child has ingested something and you don't have a clue what it is?
0: Yeah, so that's another one of the scenarios where call the Poison Center. We can try to work through it. Oftentimes if there's a similar, you know, similar pills that were on the floor, we can help identify that substance to figure out, okay, is this going to be a problem? If ultimately we don't know what it is because you happen to be, you know, you're in a public store, grocery store, what have you, depending on what information we have, we may just recommend going to the healthcare facility for evaluation just to make sure everything's going to be okay. Um, But if we do have a sense of what it is, it gives us a better idea of what recommendations we can give, what to really watch out for, if there are any sort of home care um, techniques that we can or tactics that we can advise you on in terms of what to do, or at least let you know, hey, if this symptom happens, give us a call back. We'll reevaluate and let you know whether or not you really need to be in a hospital or not. Um, Those are always the problematic scenarios.
1: (laughs) Well, and obviously, by the time, I mean, if symptoms occur and you don't know where they came from, it's... Never yeah. a bad idea to seek medical attention.
0: Exactly, um, and that's just the thing. If there's a medical emergency, always call 911. If it's poison-related, poison center will get involved at some point. But if a person is not breathing or is unconscious or what have you, like you need to be calling 911.
1: I was reading, in, in doing my research for the show, I was reading, uh, and of course my focus was originally on, on just the marijuana issue because I do think we tend to be very casual about it. It's kind of a nudge nudge wink wink thing when you're talking about mm-hmm. marijuana. Um, And and I didn't, until I saw the report from King County, I didn't really make the association that this, in fact, could be something really dangerous for kids. I mean, I just didn't even think about it. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, well, you know, all the old, you know, gray-haired ponytail guys will, you know, have a good time now. You know, I mean, I'm just you know, it, it didn't cross my mind that this could be a real threat to children um but one of the things that that um i think that we n- need to look at is our pets too you know and i know that's not your thing but do you ever get calls about you know pets
0: so we did we do we used to actually take um pet po- um pet calls you know for pets that got poisoned or ingested something um given okay. that we're primarily a human focused poison center we decided to basically work with the ASPCA which they have a direct uh, a direct poison center number And so we now direct those callers to contact the ASPCA. Um, Now, that's just for Washington State. There are other poison centers in the country that may have decided to handle um, pet poison calls as well because of the resources they have available, and that's perfectly fine. Um, But you're right. Pets get into a lot of stuff, and uh, those can also be problematic. uh, And so they certainly deserve help as well.
1: Yeah. I think that um you know what's what's significant I think about our conversation and we are starting to wrap it up now, is that um we have to take some of these substances seriously. And even though, as I said, there's there's kind of a wink wink nudge nudge thing about marijuana right now, and it's not just Washington and Oregon and the states that have made it legalized, but I think it's throughout the nation. Um, mm-hmm. it's kind of like well where's the harm here and you know people want it's no different than alcohol and blah 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 and that's fine i don't have any argument with that but i do think that it's easy to lose sight of the fact that these things just like the tylenol can actually be potentially lethal in the wrong hands and so we need to remember and take these things seriously make sure that we store them properly uh... make sure that we monitor children and if we have suspicions that there's problems seek help and one of those places is the wash the the um the uh poison control center and again that national number for poison control is 800 222 1222 um i've ha- i've learned some a lot here i i'm kind of glad we did this this is kind of a different topic uh, than yeah. i what i usually uh, cover um dr guard but i'm really glad that we did um, I'm I'm really Thank glad you. that we did, and I appreciate your experience. I appreciate. I learned some things actually. <laughs> you know, I mean, who knew you could vape Mer- I, Mer- I mean, who knew? I know. I, I didn't. <laughs> well,
0: I appreciate the Well, there's a will, there's
1: a way, right? Yep. <laughs> um, I, we have about a minute, left and I want to see if there's just real quick anything that you would like to add that maybe we didn't cover, or that you would like to just reiterate. What What would you leave us with?
0: Well, I just certainly want to say thank you. This is an important topic for many people to just be aware of. You know, poison prevention uh, is huge. Unintentional poisonings are, are, in many states are a leading cause of death in, in kids. And so it's super important that we have the conversation. We work with community organizers, with parents on how to protect their children, not just when they're kids, but how to have the conversation as they grow up into their teenage years and young adults to equip them because, you know, the world is very different now. There are yeah. so many new substances yeah. available, and uh, we yeah. need to have that conversation. And so the local, you know, your local poison center can help help you out with yeah. that in terms of public education.
1: Great. Thank you so much. I um, usually end the show with a quote. It was really hard to find a quote on, on <laughs> uh, you know, unintentional poisoning, i got to tell you. But I did find a quote that I think we can kind of work into the conversation here, and it is by Everett Koop, the former uh, Surgeon General. You can't talk of the dangers of snake poisoning and not mention snakes. Now, I'll let you puzzle out how I I made that association with our conversation today. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. And My pleasure. Uh, next week we're we're going to have an interesting topic. Next week, I'm still working on that memory expert, so hopefully we'll get that person for next week. Meanwhile, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Dr. Gerard. See you next. Thank week. you. Us, be women. three Bye bye.